This is the Oil & Gas Startups Podcast, where we showcase emerging technology and the stories of industry founders, investors, and leaders with your hosts, Jake Corley and Colin McClelland. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to the show. Before we get into this, I just want to take two seconds and say I'm pretty stoked that we are having on the one and only John Arnold on the podcast here soon. Don't drop it yet. Hasn't happened yet. It hasn't happened yet, but we're Don't we're, jinx it. we're in each other's DMs <laughs> scheduling it out for next week, actually. So, well, actually, well, by the time this comes out, it will all have been recorded, hopefully. So... <laughs> Be uh, be on the lookout for that. If you don't know, John Arnold was uh, at the time he was the uh, youngest billionaire in the U.S. Uh, made his his fortune trading. Uh, Colin tweeted at him a couple times, and he got ignored. And I kind of locked it down. No big deal. So putting the team on my back for that one. But anyways, we're here with our buddy Mike Ward, president of Digital Oil and Gas Solutions. What's up, Mike? Hey, man. What's up? Happy not to much. be here. Not much, man. We were just talking about the. Uh, he lives over by me and Katie. We're talking about the crazy housing market over there. It's insane. Yeah, he said he had someone stop by his house just randomly and said that they give him hundred thousand cash over what he bought it for. Did you take it? <laughs> I had nowhere to go. Look, I, I was ready to do that, but it, uh, as my wife fully stated, where, where are we going? What are we doing? That's the problem. We have houses in our neighborhood going for twice what we bought it for, and and they're all cash offers. But that that is the question. It's like, where do you go? Yeah. And there is nowhere to go. You know? Not not unless you want to pay the same. Yeah. And then you're in the same boat. So. Yeah. It's crazy. It's absolutely so, nuts. Tell us about your company, man. Tell us what you do. So we are... Um, What's the company's name first? Uh, Digital Oil and Gas Solutions. Okay, We're a cool. division of Team International. All right. Um, so uh, the founder had an itch for oil and gas. He's ex-Marathon, CFO's ex-Arco. So they've been in the business for a long time, but, but spun off and... Basically started a um, uh, an offshore, nearshore-based technical solutions help you with any kind of development you needed. Um, but they had uh, they had a pension to get in oil and gas, so um, had had a couple of courting conversations. I think he got me to second or third base in the first or second <laughs> one, and then uh, we we consummated the deal. Um, but basically, we decided to go after some products in oil and gas, um, mm -hmm. be a little bit different. I spent 25 years on the other side, so I knew what I didn't like, and I knew how I kind of wanted to be treated. Yeah. So we we spent a lot of time um, working with people that want to run as fast as we run. So yeah. we've got we've got kind of we've got uh, a limited set of companies that run like we do, and but we're doing some really cool stuff. Really so cool. You stuff. said 20. You spent 25 years on the other side. What is the other side? So started yourself. out with Williams companies, um, IT related roles. Let me ask you something real quick. Sure. Did you, did you work offshore in oil and gas or? I, I did offshore Man, and onshore. I can sniff them out. I know an offshore guy <laughs> when I see one. So. Yeah. <laughs> Spent some time drilling uh, on an offshore platform. And then uh, most of mine, most of my experience is uh, upstream in Oklahoma oil and gas. So okay. Worked on a pulling unit for my dad. Worked on a pulling unit for some friends. Okay. Learned how to uh, cuss and fight an oil patch. <laughs> Learned things in a doghouse on a drilling rig that we won't be talking about on I this podcast. So, me and um, you can talk about those things on the mics. mics we can, yeah. We'll, we'll turn those. We'll turn those off and talk. Yeah, again, things probably aren't allowed in in this day and time. But anyway, 
Uh, been in oil and gas most of my life. Matter of fact, my family's still in oil and gas. My dad pumps every morning, and uh, my brother-in-law uh, supervises a bunch of production That's awesome. up in northeast Oklahoma. That's so, awesome. Is your dad up in Oklahoma, too? He is, up around Tulsa, Bartersville area. Yeah, it's crazy. So Jake and I had some little stripper wells up in Oklahoma outside of Tulsa. And Pretty big operation. Yeah, Huge. Yeah, yeah, doing six barrels a day, really raking it in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but our yep. pumper up there, uh, older cat. You know, eighty something years old, and I'm just like always mesmerized by you know Texas and Oklahoma boys. I mean, they'll keep yeah. pumping wells until the day you know they're not here anymore. That's that's, just that's exactly right. Uh, most of their productions barrel a day, and yeah. but they just have you know twelve, thirteen hundred of them. So yeah. it's not a bad living when <laughs> yeah. you can get it. Yeah. It's a pretty bad living when it's not advantageous. So yeah, you know, we we've we uh, spent my life going up and down with oil and gas. Yeah. So steak it. to uh to spam pretty quick. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I mean the operating game up in Oklahoma. One thing we didn't take into consideration was the year that we operated our wells was the rainiest year on record for Northeast Oklahoma. And what that meant was we couldn't ever get trucks out to lease location. Roads, absolutely. Yeah. I mean that right yeah, lease roads were like at least a I don't know forty degree incline. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And so, yeah, and so we had this big hill on one of them, and so you got that red clay, and we could just never get equipment, yeah. and then our road kept washing out, and so really our economics were just impacted because of rain and weather. So yeah, I just uh, I'm not a big fan of Oklahoma just because. Oh, of the, dude, the, you're the living weather. wrong. That's the problem. <laughs> so we we actually built some solutions that help with that these days. Really? But yeah, I mean, you, you talk about that kind of weather. I can remember my dad sitting on a on a D6 dozer with a winch. <laughs> Pulling a pulling a piece of equipment up a hill because of exactly what you just talked about, yep. and everybody's standing a hundred yards away in case the winch line <laughs> breaks. So it goes and breaks. Exactly yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. And we all drew short straws. He was going to set in the pulling unit to get it up the hill because <laughs> yeah. if it's going, it's going. So that reminds. I was talking about that online the other day. There was this lease out in West Texas, um, out in Ira Ann, and when we take our wine line trucks up, it you had to have a bulldozer pull you up this yep. hill. And as you're going up the side of this hill, you look over the edge and you see this uh, cement truck that fell back in like 1997 and it rolled down the hill and just no one <laughs> ever got it back up. Yeah. yeah. And so <laughs> yep. I know that like you have to be the one in the, in the truck. And if that line goes, <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. That's too funny. Yeah. So, you know, you, you come from, you know, field heavy background, um, working rigs, both drilling and, uh, work over units. And you said you were it as well. So yeah. talk about it's a hell of a transition. Yeah. How, how'd you go in it? Yeah. So actually got that started Williams, uh, um, gentleman there had uh, an IT position in HR of all things. And people that know me are like, you got an HR background? <laughs> I'm like, oh, I do. So um, got into the tech side of it, self-taught, um, and then have had IT positions ever since. And, and most of that uh, usually was focused on disruption, you know, heavy implementations, ERP, um, some field automation, things like that. So we... Uh, I've been very fortunate to to be probably the risk taker in a corporate that would just step out and do something a little bit different. Because mm-hmm. um, again, you got you got a big safety net in a corporation, so it's it's a lot easier to fail. Yeah, and if it actually goes through, it usually is pretty disruptive. So, you know, we we did a lot of digital transformation in the last five six years that uh, not only has saved the company a bunch of money. It's actually proved to be a big differentiator for disaster recovery and, and those type things like the flood here in Houston. Yeah. Cloud-based company was not impacted. Yeah. 
you know, you had the hurricane that came through um, that took out data centers. Mm-hmm. We didn't have those issues. So been very fortunate to be kind of in those type roles. Yeah. And then wanted to do something around the product side that kind of meets the the small to medium guys. And that's where we really kind of heavily focus. But we keep getting drawn into some pretty disruptive companies that are doing things a bit different in oil and gas because they've got to survive. And, yeah. and as we found, um, there's only a couple ways to survive in, in today's world, and that's to be either ahead in technology or have a hell of a war chest uh, at the bank. Yeah, 100%. So, so are you guys on the, are you like a software development shop? Or are you guys a consulting firm? Or are you guys actually pushing products that you guys have built? All three. All three. Oh, shit. Okay, we got a lot to unpack. All then. three. Yeah. So uh, the the great thing about team is our nearshore development. So we've got we've got a delivery center in Medellin, Colombia. It's fantastic for this part of the world because it's central time zone. Same time zone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm not up at two or three in the morning. Colombia is a previous, huge tech hub right now, uh, too. It's massive. Massive. Yeah. We've and, talked about developing stuff over in Colombia. Yep. Mainly, I just want to go back and forth between Colombia. It seems like a great place. Yeah, Medellin's, had- Medellin's a good time. Let's get down there this year. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Yeah, let's, yeah, let's get same, down there. Know, same time zone, so you don't deal with uh, uh, typical offshore problems um, with that, so it's really yeah. beneficial. And, you know, we've got, east, we've got East Coast time all the way. Yeah, we're doing some mountain time now as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it works really advantageous. And then the crossover in the middle of the night for us is either in Ukraine or Poland. So yeah. we've got delivery centers there. And then the other thing we're looking at is should we move into Ho Chi Minh and cover the Asia time zone with delivery for um, both Malaysia and some of those other places that we've got some connections to. Yeah. So are you guys doing a lot of international work right now? I mean, I'm assuming so if you're looking at opening up we, shops. We are entertaining international work. It yeah. gets a little crazy when, uh, you know, uh, one of the the large plays that we had in Africa that's still ongoing Um uh, are you factoring in bodyguards? And I'm like, whoa, what? What? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> things change. <laughs> yeah, only if I can shoot back. Yeah. So, um, you know, we we are looking at those, but we're being pretty we're being pretty picky with who we work with because, um, again, if you're looking for just a vendor, that's probably not us. We we want to partner more than anything else, and we yeah. um, we spend a lot of time with those relationships and getting to know the company sometimes better than. They know themselves sometimes because we're we're so data centric. Yeah. So when you are you guys focused mainly on upstream companies or is it? And we do it all midstream. It all. Uh, upstream's easy right now. Yeah. Um, because it's where most of the growth. And if you've ever been in an integrated oil company, it used to always piss off the downstream guys because you know they're they're the cash cows. Yeah. And upstream <laughs> was spinning it as fast as they can make <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah. So, for sure. Um, as you're seeing this turnaround, you know, we, we're focused pretty heavily on the upstream side because that's where we're finding the most disruption. Got you. And when you look at these companies, like an upstream company, you know, what's a, what's an engagement with you guys look like? You know, if you guys are doing all three in terms of development and consulting and pushing products, you know, I'm sure this changes depending on the company size too. You know, you, you kind of hit on, you have a bunch of small and mid-sized players, um, you know, what do you guys look at when you're going into a EMP company, for example? Are you guys coming in and saying, hey, you know, we can consult you on processes that you can do better. Here's some uh, ways that we can help you build custom solutions for that. Or if you're a smaller operator, you know, here's a smaller product or a product straight out of the box right. that can help you. And, and it's really, 
all three, but to your point, it's specific to what pain they have at the time. Mm -hmm. So what is the largest problem that you're trying to solve? Um, everybody now knows that uh, data is the end of the world. And, and what I mean by that is most companies are tech companies these days. They mm -hmm. just don't know it. Yeah. Um, you guys are a tech company. Yep. 100%. Um, so, you know, every oil and gas company is a tech company. And, and framing it like that, I mean, I've always said EMPs should be tech companies that produce oil and gas. Without a doubt. Digital wildcatters, we consider ourselves a tech company that produces content. Absolutely. That's how we think about it. Uh, mm -hmm. As you should. And the companies that are ahead of the game, um, that are really putting that forefront, um, you know, uh, great conversation with the Laredo Petroleum in Tulsa. Those guys are pushing yep. envelopes, um, even pushing my envelope, yeah. <laughs> which I try to stay out ahead of most people because that's the nature of the game. Yeah, um, Those are the guys that you're looking for because they're going to take a different posture and they're probably actually going to invest um, a little bit differently than what you traditionally get out of normal IT shops. Mm -hmm. um, you know, one of the things that we do, which differentiates. So right now, if you came up and said, Hey, I've got no surveillance on a pump jack or a tank battery, or your stripper wells up in Oklahoma, you engage us. We actually show up, my guys show up, install our sensors, our edge device, our communications, and we give you a front end to see what your tubing, casing pressure, tank volumes are, flow, um, compression, those type things. And we do that for a couple bucks a day. Turnkey. Yeah. No no capital up front. We just do that. Wow. And a lot of people say, well, we you know. We can use that for sure. Yeah. How are, you, how are you able to do that? Well, I'm an operator. So <laughs> I know what it's like to be on the other side. And if I'm asking you to give up a couple of dollars a day for surveillance to, to actually know something where you actually have to drive to to know it now, mm -hmm. it, it might be worth it if oil's up around 60. May not be worth it at 20. Yeah. As an example. So mm -hmm. you, you gotta you gotta balance that value proposition. And then we got a field data capture application that that feeds into that then gives you all your volumes, your your tanks, gives you all your gauging, your tickets, um, all your inspections, all the things that are regulatory related. So we feed that in and then we'll actually give you some reporting on the back end through our data insights to tell you exactly how your production's going, how much fluid are you producing, how much gas did you produce, et cetera. So mm -hmm. we cover it kind of end to end from that value chain, but people are in a very different spot from where they're at on their journey. And we try, we do a really hard job. We do a really good job, even as hard as it is, meeting them kind of where they're at. Yeah. A 20 well person doesn't need what a 2000 well person does. Yeah. I so, feel like that's, that's a huge underserved market, um, especially in, in, in my days of, you know, pushing software to, to operators. I found most of the opportunity was with the companies that really didn't have IT departments. They were the companies that had just grown to the point to where it was still lots of engineers, lots Absolutely. of geologists and landmen, but they never really were able to take the time or necessarily had people on staff that had the expertise to really kind of, you know, digitize their operations. So then you're not dealing with the mumbo jumbo of, of having to go through IT and all of their That's various correct. requirements and stuff. And, and usually they can kind of take you down this road and never goes anywhere. Right. And so I feel like there's so many, there's so many EMPs that are, you know, a couple hundred wells, a couple thousand wells that like you said, are, you know, producing a few barrels a day here and there, but now they're starting to get into the, a larger operation. A uh, larger know? operation. The other thing too, is they know they can operate smart. You know, yeah. one of the things that uh, I always laugh because uh, I shouldn't say laugh. I actually kind of cringe is you go into a lot of these software companies are like, we're going to take out 50% of your, your pumper or tender pool. 
we're, we're just going to knock that right off the top because, you know, that software and hardware that we're installing on these wells, they can grease saddle bearings. They can tighten up stuffing box. Mm -hmm. uh, they can go pull a well. It just doesn't work. What we actually come in with is, hey, look, if you've got labor savings, that's kind of on you. But there's probably a whole bunch of work that your guys would love to get to if they weren't making their milk routes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, there is a whole bunch of work out there that you could probably optimize your field, getting your motors tuned to be exactly on the stroke to maintain the fluid that you need to maintain to, to keep this thing pumping optimally. That's where you get into kind of the value differentiation is don't take out the labor, optimize the labor. Make them more efficient. Give Make them, the them more efficient. So yeah. we're going to tell you something where you don't know something today. Yeah. So that that's really kind of our claim to fame is, you know, with these carbon credits and greenhouse gas and, and the flaring and all that kind of stuff, um, that's really going to matter from a data from a data stream in the very near future. Um, whether we agree with it or not, it's where it's headed. Yep. Um, Just had a great it, podcast yesterday on ESG data and how it's being standardized across industries. and Without a doubt. It's happening. It, it, and it's in, you're either going to do it or you're going to get it done to you. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we actually prefer to, to be on some of the forefront of that. So compressor vibration, why is that important? It tells you when the thing's on and off. Mm -hmm. So you can report your fuel usage based on when it's on versus if you don't know, uh, the government agency doesn't trust anybody. That thing ran 24 hours a day, seven days a week for the last 365. Yeah. So here's your carbon, here's That's your carbon credit tax That's that I pain. need to pay. <laughs> Absolutely. So we think there's a, a massive opportunity to come in and do a very light kit on that, that uh, cellular satellite. We don't even need your radios. I mean, we're, we're now pulling the tech forward where even five years ago, it was it was cost prohibitive. Yeah, that's now gone. If I mm -hmm. can do that for two dollars and fifty cents a day, or you know, pick whatever time frame you want it in, and you just multiply that by two dollars and fifty cents a day, yeah. um, it, it, it's it's now more cost efficient because the clouds kind of changed the game with that infrastructure. It's yeah. consumption it's just, based. It's so much cheaper. Are, are there any SCADA sensors for say flaring? Absolutely. Okay. I never really talked to anybody about that. Yeah. So there is, there's a lot of conversation right now on flaring and even if you can measure what you put back in line. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that, that's something we're pretty heavily focused on as well, which is, you know, how do you optimize, how do you play by the new rules? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And look, it, it, I love it when everybody says oil and gas is out of control. I mean, for all hundred operators I talk to, there might be one in the bunch that you look at and go, hey, that dude might be a little bit shady, um, but it's probably how he grew up. And I don't think anybody's intent on harming anything to do with the environment. It just yeah. it doesn't serve the population to do that. I don't know mm -hmm. any oil and gas guys that have ever come out and just said, hey, fuck the environment. Never heard anyone. Well, think that about it. You've got like the biggest outdoors guys are probably in this industry. Yeah. It's the guys oh, who want to go down. hunting and fishing hands and down. overlanding and camping. And like, yeah. we love the environment. And <laughs> like, then, you know, it's like I saw a post the other day on LinkedIn. And I mean, you're talking about some skim oil on, on the ground from right. the stuffing box just being worn out. You know, it wasn't that big of a deal. And someone's porting it online. And I was like, look, 
an oil and gas guy doesn't want anything escaping out. They want to capture that's, anything that's they revenue. can. Right? Yeah. yeah, they want to use whatever technology they can to capture every hydrocarbon possible. That is so. revenue. Yeah. <laughs> so, Stuffing box Karen strikes again. Oil, oil guys are not incentivized to that's put right. oil on the ground. So. Yeah. And, and again, you know, there's not anybody that's ever went out and cleaned up salt water that ever wants to do that again. Yeah. Ever. That's it's and, a pain. We had yeah, to do that. Yeah. All the remediation. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I'm, dig up, you know, a huge crater and replace <laughs> it with some like five All gallon dirt, salt. Yeah. yeah it's well, look, crazy. I, we might have we might have ruined some lady's uh tomato garden one time based on a, a fire that burnt through a lead line. And uh <laughs> man, that, I'll never forget that dog cussing well, ever. <laughs> I remember I mean, I was just I I respect operators more since owning those little stripper wells because of how big of a pain it is. I mean, like that saltwater, we had this little private uh, saltwater disposal well on the lease. And I mean, you had like a ball valve or something crack. And, you know, we're down here in Houston. Wells are up there in Tulsa, which if anyone's listening, do not buy wells that you can't drive to in a couple hours time. (laughs) Number one mistake. We would have saved a lot of money if we were closer. But anyways, um, and, and, He's probably going to say, well, that's why you need our solutions so that you can monitor exactly stuff. why you need my solutions. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Datagration. Now, we know that the best workover candidates with the highest potential production gain typically are overlooked because they are not always obvious for sight. There are thousands of mature oil and gas fields in the U.S. with hundreds of thousands of wells to monitor and optimize with an ever-shrinking skilled workforce. That means hundreds of wells for each production engineer to analyze daily. This routine work normally is not automated and leads to lengthy well-by-well reviews. Built within the PetroVisor platform, the Datagration team has automated the entire workflow candidate screening process. By leveraging machine learning and knowledge automation, premature well abandonment is avoided, thus extending well life and deferring well plugging cost. Engineering time is saved by highlighting the best opportunities within the platform, and engineers can now spend their time on the most promising workover candidates and standardize best practices. Check out the link in the show notes to learn more about Petrovisor use cases. But anyways, you know, you, you deal with those things. And I mean, to the point of what you guys are doing is like, hey, what if you don't have to have a pumper? making those milk runs or even they are making those milk runs stuff happens in between those milk runs you know between a 24 to 36 hour period what if you can have real time data on Absolutely. that know what's happening and we talked about that all the time yeah like, like hey, what i mean what it, automate this lease yeah somehow to where we can be here in houston and know what's happening up in tulsa even on a strip of well location Absolutely. like i know you could already do that i would say you need it more on a super well yeah, shit's breaking then, all the time. <laughs> well, one, it's breaking all the time, but two, the littlest things affect the economics way more oh, than, than than some of the bigger wells when you got huge operations. So, well, and I think you guys are on to something as to why we develop what we developed. It's you know, there's a million eight hundred thousand of these wells in just the United States mm-hmm. that somebody is making something off of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know, I said I think it's a huge opportunity to go scoop I these have, things up. I have small operators hit me up on Twitter all the time. Yeah. I'm like, hey, you know any technologies that you know are interesting? Let us know. Like, and I kind of want to ask you that too. Is you know these smaller operators? Are they? You know, you've always kind of had a mixed bag. Like, yeah, some guys, you know, good old boys. Um, I always like to throw Yusuf under the bus on this conversation because <laughs> Yusuf's like, look, Colin, I'm an oil man. I don't care about technology. I get oil out of the ground. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. That's his thinking about it, but he's he started making a turn. You know, twenty twenty did did some things. Taking so, a few years, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. he's coming around. But 
the majority of these smaller operators, I mean, are they pretty, are they looking for technological solutions like this that can help them or is it still it, kind of a mixed bag? It, it's, it's very much a mixed bag. I mean, my, my dad was not there and, and he is now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the reason is he can go fix what's most important knowing that everything else is where it's supposed to be. Yeah. And we do some trend lines and things like that, that, you know, help with that from the perspective of, all right, this well's produced, you know, 40 barrels of water for this week. It produced 40 last week and the week before. You're probably pretty good. Now, we'll tell you strap factor and top of the tank. And if we know that it's going to fill up next Thursday, we probably need to let the hauler know on Monday to show up on Tuesday and either, you know, haul it to injection site or disposal site, whatever. Those are the type of things that are now just a given. Um, the older generation, still a little bit tough because, I mean, even, you know, these well whispers, they can pull up and hear a motor and go, hey, uh, they hear something. We're a little bit light on fluid. They pull up. And it's like, I don't know technology that's going to do that. Yeah. And that's why we're saying, you know. That sounds like a whole piece of content in itself. No, it, the well whispers. <laughs> no, yeah. It's real, too. It is. It's a real thing, man. Yeah, they, my dad can grab that polish rod and tell you and what's going on it, down home. feel the vibration. Absolutely. They feel yeah. it. It's, it's an interesting. I mean, even I experienced that, you know, yeah. as. Um, are you mo- bottoming out on I your. As a motor man on a drilling rig, you know, if I was taking a nap on, or nap on night tower and. <laughs> It got too quiet all of a sudden. And I'm like, what's wrong with pump two motor? <laughs> exactly Something, right. Something's fucked up. Yeah, yeah that's exactly right. And it, it's amazing what happens when you kind of blend that technology with that well whispering. Mm-hmm. Um, that's actually the panacea because, you know, we've got we've got some operations up in, in Appalachia with a really large producer up there. Um, their guys can tell you what that well should or shouldn't be doing. And then if you can tune that with technology – Mm-hmm. Yeah, all of a sudden you've got kind of the best of both worlds because technology is not going to do what those guys do, yeah. but they can't do what technology does either. Yeah. So if you can get the best of that, man, that that's panacea. And those are the guys we really like working with. Yeah. I love seeing um, older guys come around to technology too and embrace it. We have a video coming out soon uh, from one of the landowners up at EQT and Rice and uh, guys in his late sixties, mm-hmm. fourth generation dairy farmer, Larry Kane. Yep. And he just made a million dollar investment to fully automize his or automate his, uh, dairy operation. Yeah. And you got to think about this, you know, his granddaddy, fourth ran that generation. Farm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, this stuff now was he's, cool. Now he's seen, he doesn't, the cow milks itself. It's shit gets scooped up. It <laughs> feeds itself. Yep. All, all feeds automated. into a diet and this kind of this dashboard that shows you how productive yeah. like gives you analytics on your cows yeah <laughs> and it's honestly able to tell you how like cool how happy that? the cows so are cool. too so cool seeing it yeah. and, but the realization he had is i can keep operating this farm until the day i die right you know you start getting i mean that's a labor intensive job well traditionally and, you know yeah. raising cattle well think about it when you guys had your production each one of those wells has i call it a persona each mm-hmm. one of those wells operates differently. Yeah. They could be drilled. The only they common denominator be- was unreliable. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Henniger was a workhorse. Like we always do. Yeah, Henniger. Other wells might go Henniger, down, yeah. Henniger really no, went down. Well, yeah. but they could be even 20 yards apart and produce completely different liquid. Oh, yeah. You know, more water than oil, et cetera. Mostly water anyway, but, you know. Um, So what we're we're looking, and actually what we've got a platform to do is we treat each one of those wells as its own persona. So Mm -hmm. we can can optimize chemical. 
We can optimize when it's on off. If it's an intermittent well, we can turn it on and off based on data, not yeah. based on gut or based on the next time I'm actually going to be out there. Yeah. So, you know, everybody's like, well, the, the reservoir is only so big. Absolutely. But that reservoir will be here long after, after we're gone. So yeah. why in the world wouldn't you want to produce as much out of that as you can while you own it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, it, it's a value proposition of using data technology and then some common sense and some oil sense to, to basically create algorithms that, that, uh, optimize your production and it doesn't matter if it's a barrel a day or a hundred barrels a day. It's the same thing. Are yeah. you seeing a bunch of new grads or, or younger guys say in their twenties? Cause we get a lot of messages from these guys saying, Hey, we, we, you know, we saw the YouTube video of you guys having the wells, or we've listened to some of the guests on the podcast. Hey, we want to go do this. I mean, it's not, not a huge pool of people that want to go out and chase stripper wells or drill new wells, but are you seeing any younger guys kind of get in? Yeah. And, and we're actually drawn to those guys for sure. Yeah. Um, we like the attitude. We like the, the go figure it out kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, anybody with a credit card right now can rent technology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you can go to Azure, AWS, G Google, pick any of the three and you've got, you've got basically every tool you'll ever want yep. on a credit card. What we're trying to do now is get some of that legacy oil knowledge into these younger guys with more of a tech background, combine both of those and, and let them both go, get mm-hmm. out of the way. And it's, it's, it's been interesting, especially these patrol, these PEs coming out of these schools. Um, they're, they're still, they're still learning from five, 10 years ago where things were at. You know, you go even look at some of the latest frack technology that's out there. Yeah. You go look at some of the stuff that, uh, you know, cold bore and those guys are doing. Yep. Um, that didn't exist three years ago. Especially the stuff they no, got coming down the know, pipe, we did the, Yeah, We did our walkthrough on the electric frack with EQT and cold boards out there. And look, I spent, I don't know how many thousands of hours out on frack jobs. And it wasn't that long ago. You know, last frack job I was on was probably four years ago. Absolutely. And I walk out there and I'm like, this looks completely different. Completely than what different. Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a new world for sure. It's a new, and again, if you've got some people that have got the, the want to, and mm-hmm. you give them a technical framework to go get that done. Because what we tell them is, hey, look, I got all the technical people in the world you need. They mm-hmm. sit in Metaheme. Matter of fact, we'll send you down there to sit next to them for a little bit of time. That That's the easy part. Technology is now the easy part. It's yeah. this this knowledge that's been imparted in in the guy you guys referenced, my old man and yeah. you know my brother-in-law, those type guys. Those guys have been doing it so long, they probably have forgotten more about it than we know. Yeah. But then how do we get that out of their head into something that's repeatable across multiple frameworks? Yeah. Pretty and interesting. Do you, you got any answers on that? Because I'm kind of curious. I mean, right off the bat, I'm like, hey, let's create some content with some old guys. Like well, get, some, get, get some old heads on and just get them just to do a master class <laughs> with old oil field dudes. That's, well, what, that's what we need. It, it, actually, the best thing is once they under – and I'll tell you a real quick story. I got in a truck with a bunch of guys, and uh, we were headed out. I think we were going to lunch, but, you know – one, they don't trust technology guys anyway because they've heard it all. They've seen it from everybody out there that uh, we understand oil and gas. We yeah. know who you are. We know what you are. You know all that kind of. And, and that's not that's not even close to the truth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. First thing I said when they put me in the passenger seat, I'm like, look, if there's any freaking gates between here and where we're going, I'm not opening them. And they're like, oh, you are oil field. 
church. <laughs> That's the type of stuff that I think is missing in today's world. You think about what you guys did on, on site. Mm-hmm. It gives you a different lens sitting here talking to me than it would somebody just interviewing. I've done those interviews. You can go yeah. look at them on the HPE <laughs> site and all that kind of stuff. We got a video of us pulling up to the lease. We had to do a workover. We didn't know the gate code. <laughs> so we're, and then there's three gates. And we and we didn't know which one we were supposed to Go use. All the way up to Oklahoma, and we, we, we couldn't get a hold of the you old. You didn't owner. have a master key. We never been to the no, lease. No, it was the, the numbers. Oh, I know. It was the yeah, numbers. No, I got no, a, no, we I got a master. We eventually got in. Master key's the bolt cutter. That's exactly <laughs> right. Master key gets me into yeah. everything I need to get Clean into. <laughs> what happened yeah. to my lock? Yeah. Yeah. It was open when I came it's here. Damn well, kids around here. I'm pretty sure I'm on that video saying we go get a pair of bolt cutters. I'm not even sure this is the right gate to the lease. So we ended up on the wrong lease one time yeah. too yeah, yeah i've done that too yeah, yeah. We, <laughs> we just had we just had some of our guys on location outside of san antonio and basically we're told not to be there at night yeah yeah i mean that that's i mean that's the reality of where it's getting to in today's world so mm-hmm. you know they they, they kind of like our surveillance yeah because they don't have to send somebody out there and, and worry about what's going on out there these days is anybody actually putting legit surveillance in terms of like cameras i mean that technology has come so far with They're with ring and, and and nest and various like home things so i'd imagine that the the b2b kind of yeah, set I, of technology I actually too. think that's going to be probably the next evolution of this mm-hmm. edge compute. Um, you know, we've got enough edge compute out there to run just about any algorithm that we need on the wellhead, but video is a bit different, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think where we're focused on is working with some some partners that can give us infrared, motion detection, those type things, yeah. but make it actionable. Yeah. So unless it unless it detects an anomaly that, hey, there's a truck pulling up that wasn't scheduled or um, there's something that's above three foot above the ground. Um, I need to, I need to alert somebody. Yeah. Um, because it's such a heavy bandwidth draw. Yeah. And until we can get, you know, you guys know as well as I do, I, I don't know what your cell signal was like on your wells out there, but depending <laughs> on where you're at, you know, you might have to drive an hour just to get cell coverage. Yeah. And satellite is cost prohibitive even today. Now we are talking to, um, and another provider about that based in Austin um, likes to innovate quite a bit. I, I, um, I think that is the biggest barrier. You know, if you're a pioneer natural resources, you can, uh, you can incur that cost of satellite transmission or radio. Yeah. Yeah. But when if, you're someone like us, you know, small operation, middle of Oklahoma, no cell phone service. It's like, what is, you know, what's your, what's your options? And, that was the barrier for us because Jake and I spent a lot of time thinking, hey, how can sure. we automate this? You know, we talked about having a little drone out there in a garage that came out, you know, surveyed the the lease, compressed it into a GIF and then transmitted it back right. to us so that we could see it. And then and parks it, itself like a like yeah. a Roomba this and then is, charges. <laughs> Turns out a company does that now. Yeah, I don't know yeah, if we, yeah, we had a I don't know if we came up with the idea that, or yeah. not, but <laughs> It, it's happening. That's well, that's the barrier. Is if it was within the last two years, you're you're about a year behind of the idea we had. Probably three years. Yeah. Ago. <laughs> but again, to your point, it is it is still cost prohibitive to kind of do that on this small to medium end. Yeah. Yeah. If you're a big boy, even those guys are. I, I, look, I think drones have their place. I, I'm not. I, I won't ever say that because yeah. I think that technology will evolve. But I don't know how a drone flying over a midstream segment with a 20 mile an hour wind can tell you 
where gas is leaking at. Yeah. So there's still going to have to be some evolution of how that technology works, some predictive that says, hey, if the wind's blowing 20 miles an hour out of this direction, it's probably in this segment, et cetera. I still think that has a way to go. I do think surveillance on the video side is going to be the next the next thing, but yeah. I think it's going to have to be with a different tech stack than what we have today. It's yeah. just not it's just not friendly in telecommunications right now. Yeah, and there's some cool things. Um, I don't want to hijack the conversation, but I'll have to introduce you to them sometimes. Like a company Hive Cell that our buddy went to yeah, work absolutely. for. Yeah, um, absolutely. Do you know them? I like, do. Yeah, yeah. and so. You know, they're really looking at edge computing and saying, hey, you know, oil companies have to process a lot of data yep. on site, but which data is important and which isn't. Let's send the unimportant stuff up to the cloud. Let's yep. process the important stuff on location Absolutely. and then transmit that. That way you don't have as much yeah. bandwidth, you know, being sucked, yeah. sucked down. So there's some I'm, really cool I'm things. I'm smiling really big because we're in conversations with a couple of companies on that exact thing. Awesome. Yeah. I yeah. mean, there's so much opportunity. And we haven't even right? talked about cyber. We haven't even talked about the security side of it. Dude, so, okay, so Colonial Pipeline. Yeah, real. Yeah, let's talk about this before yeah, let's get we into end it. this podcast because uh, I've put out some content, just light content over the last few years talking about how vulnerable oil and gas is to cybersecurity. And a couple of years back, we had uh, Mission Secure on the podcast and you talk to that CEO and I mean, he'll make you not want to go to sleep at night because you're just Absolutely. shit weird everything's at risk, right? And yeah. you think about, you know, it's too easy. the digitalization of oil and gas, every IOT sensor now becomes an entry point. And guess what? It's not just good enough if, you know, you don't have any uh, exterior connection to that network. It could add malware installed on it when it came overseas. Oh, without you know? a doubt. So it's just crazy thinking about that. And then fast forward to today, Colonial Pipeline this week, uh, huge ransomware attack on that. Um, and even the cybersecurity, my wife works for a cybersecurity company and it's like they, there's like no one's really paying attention to that and just like how important that is um, to the infrastructure of our country. I mean, if you had a coordinated attack on multiple pipelines, it could take America down to its knees. Why would China or Iran not be incentivized to do that? Or Syria where I mean, they have hey, gigantic look, yeah. terrorist groups that are all <laughs> those the best guys, hackers th in the Those world. guys are all malicious. Yeah. Think about what a uh, below freezing temperature did in the state of Texas. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that that's what I mean the that's the, the magnitude <laughs> that's the magnitude that we're talking about. Um it's not it's not if somebody can get in, it's when. When. Because as long as you got belly buttons in in play, yeah. Uh, that that's always will be your weakest link. And and again, this zero trust environment, somebody's still got to trust a person to do something that they're supposed to do or not do. So I, I do agree with you. And I mean, look, this has been a long time in the making. Um, Target, SolarWinds, uh, you know, you can go look at every industry and everybody's had their event. Mm -hmm. Wells Fargo like seven times. Without a doubt. Yeah. <laughs> the, credit, the credit bureaus was uh, the worst in my mind. Pick, pick all of them. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's like, all right, so now it's gotten around to oil and gas. Well, yeah, you know, not not being able to go to Target and buy milk is a little bit different than not being able to purchase no, gasoline. Target, Target will send out an email saying, hey, your information's been compromised. We're going to comp you with a free six-month trial at, you know, Experian credit yeah. guard, and that's it. Yeah. Yesterday, 75% of gas stations in Atlanta didn't have gas. Yep, I know. And Colonial goes ahead, pays the $5 million ransom. Now you got to think that 
every hacking group is like, oh my God, they paid that $5 million? Well, look, I've been involved in several of these. Everybody pays. Yeah. The, the, the deal with that is you don't want to, but for the most part, uh, you're going to pay something. Yeah. Whether that's in lost production, lost time, lost something. Yeah. Um, and that's not in, in people, they just wanted money. Mm-hmm. What happens if they had wanted to, wanted something else? That's what, yeah. I what mean, if they had wanted, you know, this, 10, partic- this particular group was. What if they had wanted a refinery's tanks running out on the ground? What if, uh, exploding. Again, yeah. That's what, that's what I, I talk about, like with yeah, mission security. Is I when hate, you start- yeah, I hate to even get to that, but I mean, golly, anybody that really, if you really want to bring somebody to the ground, you go after their infrastructure. Yeah. And that infrastructure, whether we like it or not, there's two items cash or energy. Yep. Mm-hmm. Nothing we do runs without either one of those. Yep. And uh, the cash is, is prohibitive because people want it. Mm-hmm. On energy, it's such a hot political topic right now. It's like, all right, I bet there were some people that were happy that that happened to Colonial. Yeah. And it, it's one of those deals. It's like, why in the world would we wish that on anybody, yeah. regardless of industry? I think. And and it's crazy to think that the, we're at this place now where it's like, all right, so they paid the money, $5 million, and those guys have promised not to do it again. Do you really think it was about money? That's kind of what I come back to. It's most of these guys are tweaked just by being able to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. It, again, you're going to take the 5 million, put it in Dogecoin. How do you, yeah, how do you, <clears throat> how do you operate in that? So I think we're, you know, where we're focused at just on our platform alone is we try to stay out of control as much as we can mm-hmm. and any control that we do. Um, you know, there, there's always some techniques to, to tweak that, but you know, we think based on the audiences that we're playing with, um, you know, you, you're going to want something that splashes. You're yeah. going to want, you're going to want what on, happened on that to bring up the mission secure thing again is they said that they're able to do, especially like on control systems, say refineries, the hackers will trick the operators into thinking that something's happening. Oh, without a doubt. And yeah. so then they'll, like they'll show on the so, screen, Hey, this valve's closed and the operator will be like, Hey, that's not supposed to be closed and then open it. And then boom, they close it. Totally agree. And yep. Yeah, and it, it's, uh, you know, I think I think there is a lot that goes on behind the scenes that we don't know anything about. Oh, you know there is. Uh, and, you know, we... More people are hacked than we know about. Oh, well, yeah, I, I, I absolutely. Heard, I heard of a, a big ransomware attack on an EMP three weeks ago, and you didn't hear about that anywhere in the news. I just heard about it because all the field hands, everyone lost access to their yeah. computers and had to run off Gmail. And Absolutely. Yeah, happens yeah. all the time. <laughs> it, it, it does, and, and you know... In my experience, those type guys are actually pretty ethical. If you'll just do what they say, they'll actually give you the keys back to your kingdom, and they'll tell you supposedly how this dark side group was. And they'll tell you exactly how they got in. Hackers, they're like, "Hey, look, we didn't, we didn't know that it was going to cause it. We just want to be be paid. Like we're not looking to do anything malicious. (laughs) We're hackers, but we're like nice hackers. We're ethical hackers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's like you start looking at like the security and the sovereign nation, you know, aspect of energy. And you start looking at China and you start looking at countries in the Middle East. North I Korea, mean, yeah. Russia. You tell me that they can't hack our infrastructure. Here's, and- here's what's scary. It's easy now, but we're at the verge, I believe in the next few years of quantum computing becoming commercialized. 
And as soon as quantum com yep. computing is commercialized, all security, cybersecurity that we have now is completely obsolete. Yeah, but they say that, but then it's like we have quantum computing to combat it too. So it's like it kind of evens out, right? Well, I, I think... Depends on who's quantum strong. We're, so We're getting so yeah. deep down the road. I was going to so. say, man, yeah, uh, back to that drink. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think I think you guys are absolutely right that, you know, there's always going to be this cops and robbers um, mentality in this space. Um, and it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to keep the bad guys out. Yeah. I mean, if you look at any any, you know, malicious activity – it's always going to be bad actors. Mm -hmm. It's just how much of a stage can we give them? Yeah. That's really kind of That's where like it comes CEO down mission. to me. Security said, he's like, look, you can never keep someone out. It's like the goal is to make it so hard that they go on to the next That's exactly target. right. So before yeah, we wrap well, up, I got one more question. We don't have to go super far down the rabbit hole, but I just want to ask you because you seem like a good old boy. What are your thoughts on using gas to power generators to mine Bitcoin or anything else? If it's trapped gas, why wouldn't you? Yeah. If it's trapped gas, why there you wouldn't have you? It. There you have it, folks. <laughs> Mike Orr said, why wouldn't you do it? I mean, if you're, if you believe in, all right, so let's, let's get this good old boy stuff on the road. If you believe in America and our capitalistic society of making money where you can make it and being innovative around it, uh, that's about as innovative as it gets. Yep. That's using a resource that's available. It's there. Um, there's no infrastructure to put in other than a lead line into the generator. Um, why wouldn't you do that? Now, mm -hmm. you, we could go down a bigger rabbit hole about, you know, this whole Bitcoin thing and, and what's, the life what's the life cycle on that? Uh, right now, it looks pretty good. Yeah. Right? yeah. But I, I'm, I'm all for if, if, if somebody is innovative enough to come up with that solution on trapped gas, fantastic. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's a resource that uh, doesn't have to be generated some other way. Yep, hundred percent. I'm sure there's, and then especially if you're flaring, of, you can avoid methane emissions and, and having good flare permits and all that. And I can promise you, if it was gas mm. that they could get into a pipeline or into a midstream segment to sell, they would. This yeah. is trapped gas sitting on a well that's not hooked up anywhere. Yeah, yeah. and there's going to be a ton of software needs around well, that as well. Yeah. So I'm sure you guys, I'm sure, I'm sure you sure guys will be there looking at it, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> then the question becomes, if you can get $35 in MCF effectively, why do you sell for 3 or 250 or whatever it is in the market today? Without a doubt. If, if we're... Where does it go? <laughs> if we're the capitalistic society that we're supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. Man, we're about to open all sorts here. of can of worms. Yeah. This is we're a good one. Yeah. We're going to get you back sometime. We'll crack open the whiskey. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll tell some roughneck stories. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, Appreciate the time, guys. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Hey, if people want to find you guys, uh, dogs, as the acronym is, where can they find you online? Digital oil and gas dot solutions. Awesome. Cool. Perfect. We'll put a link in the uh, show notes if you guys want to check it out. Appreciate you coming yeah. on the show, man. Likewise, gentlemen. Yeah. Enjoy the conversation. For sure. Thanks, guys. All right, guys, take two seconds. Uh, share this with your friends. Let us know who you want to see on the podcast coming up. We've got it. I mean, we are stacking the schedule probably more than ever with just episodes every single week. We got recording a huge backlog. Uh, thanks, to, thanks to you guys. Uh, we are probably coming up on like 200 episodes one of these days. So we'll catch you on the next episode. Come, 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 come.